I'm Mark Peterson, and this is the FEMA Podcast. Imagine you're an emergency manager faced with leading your community through the response to a major disaster, like a tornado or a flood or hurricane or even an earthquake. The chaos can be overwhelming, ensuring the safety and security of your own staff, as well as the safety and security for the residents of your community. In addition to safety concerns, in a major event, you may be faced with things like clearing large amounts of debris, making emergency repairs to roads, bridges, and buildings, or providing fuel for emergency vehicles or other first responders. If you don't have the staff or the resources to do these tasks on your own, what do you do? For most emergency managers, the answer is bringing in outside contractors. As emergency managers, we have a responsibility to protect and support our citizens, but we also do so in a fiscally responsible way. But in the middle of a disaster response, the last thing that you want to have to do is sit down and write a scope of work or arrange for a publication, run a full and open competition, review proposals, and negotiate pricing. All these steps are required not only to make sure the contracts are fair and reasonable, but they also can make the contracts potentially eligible for federal disaster reimbursement later on. So what do you do? Many emergency managers in communities throughout the country have worked diligently to take care of these issues before a disaster strikes, so that when the time comes, all these emergency managers need to do is pick up the phone and call someone knowing that the work they perform will be consistent with all the appropriate requirements. We call it pre-disaster contracting. On this episode, we talked to Dennis Jones, Emergency Management Director for Chatham County, Georgia. He shares his experience leading his county through Hurricane Matthew and the lessons learned that led to more efficient contracting in the aftermath of disasters and emergencies. Chatham County is the most northern coastal county in the state of Georgia. It's in Savannah, Georgia. And, uh, you know, we, we have uh, huge threats when it comes to hurricanes. And one thing that we predominantly do on a regular basis is educate the general public on what our threats are. Um, severe weather is also another big threat with tornadoes that comes along with that. So we always have to constantly look at what our threats are for the community and educate the public so that they're as prepared as possible. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned some of your, your severe threats. Hurricanes uh, certainly come to mind. Right. Um, so the last two hurricanes that I think that Chatham County has experienced were Hurricanes Irma and Matthew. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, Hurricane Matthew was our first hurricane since 1979, Hurricane David. That was the last time Chatham County was directly, mm. uh, directly affected by a hurricane. So Hurricane Matthew presented quite a few challenges for us. Um, again, it was the first time that we've had a hurricane in many, many years. Uh, we've been working quite heavily on making sure that we've got plans in place, but that was the first time we really had an opportunity to put those plans in, in action. So we learned a lot of information. Uh, we learned information about resource requesting. We learned information about operational tempo. We learned uh, a lot, quite a bit of information about how we can sustain ourselves. And we put, right after Matthew, we started putting things in place, corrective actions in place. We did a lot of improvements before Irma came along. Irma was a similar situation where we had to issue an evacuation order for the county. A lot of the work that we put together in those nine months after Hurricane Matthew 
we were able to put those in place during Irma, and we saw just leaps and bounds um, the level of improvement between Matthew and Irma. Okay. Um, so what kind of uh, damage was sustained during Matthew that kind of led to some of those uh, less yeah. concerned? Hurricane Matthew was actually a tropical storm for Chatham oh. County. We actually only got hurricane force winds out on the, the northern tip of of Tybee Island. The rest of Chatham County was a tropical storm, and we had volumes and volumes of debris, over 500,000 cubic yards of uh, debris for Chatham County from a tropical storm. That was roughly a $58 million tropical storm for Chatham County, uh, and uh, we learned a lot of information about debris management about the public assistance program in general, about emergency procurement. And uh, we also learned about uh, recovery uh, because we've never gone through a recovery process before. So that, that particular storm was quite a bit for us to, to really get in and learn the new PAPPG process, the new PA policy uh, from FEMA, and also to look at where can we improve locally as far as our hurricane response timeline goes. So... The reason we we really wanted to uh, talk to you was some of your experiences going through a hurricane like Matthew and um, and developing those lessons learned into becoming a more efficient organization. And one of the ways that you did that was through pre-disaster contracts. Right. So tell me a little bit about what a pre-disaster contract is versus, you know, something that you would contract for right after the storm. A pre-disaster contract uh, is a vetting process, essentially, is you get quite a bit of, uh, of solicitations from different contractors who have an interest in serving a particular function for your community. For us, it was debris management. Uh, so with debris management, we, we went out and we actually do a solicitation through a request for a proposal uh, or an RFP process to where we ask people to come in and tell us what you would do a particular service uh, for us, what it would cost us if you were to come in and do a particular service. So we take all those contracts and we vet them. Uh, we make sure that they have the right insurance requirements. We make sure that they can uh, can do the scope of work in, in, in order to, to meet the, the needs of the community. We make sure that that contractor is uh, is a valid contractor, is able to do work in Chatham County. So we have those contracts in place before a disaster hits. Versus post-disaster, you have to go through emergency procurement procedures. You have to make sure that there's a lot of other uh, requirements that go into place and in making sure that we're getting a fair and equitable contract. So another thing that comes along with that is mutual aid agreements. And we, we work really aggressively to take mutual aid agreements, uh, not only with our public uh, partners, but also with some private partners to make sure that we have everything that we need as often as we need it um, after a disaster of, of affects Chatham County. We try and put those in place before a storm hits. Does does that pre-disaster negotiation um, include a range for a price uh, for, say, like cubic yards removed or something like that? Um, how, how does the price get settled pre-disaster besides just the vetting? Right. Well, it, it depends on the product, of course. Uh, with debris, we have a firm fixed price on debris. For other things, uh, for other commodities, we may have a range. It just depends on the quantity ordered and uh, and also how it's shipped. So you take um, ice, for example. If we get a truckload of ice, it's one price. If we order it by the pallet, it's a different price. So it, it does range uh, based on how much of the, the product we're ordering, the quantity of the product, and also the delivery method as well. So you mentioned that you know Chatham 
can Chatham County has uh, a number of possible risks besides just hurricanes could have severe storms. Right. So does the does the contract that you sort of pre-vetted, this pre-disaster contract, does it change based on the threat or is it kind of always there? No, our focus is whenever we put a contract in place is to have it be all hazards. So when we're looking at a contract for ice or a contract for debris, it's for any type of debris, um, construction and demolition debris, woody debris, what other kind of debris. Uh, we have a big marine debris problem here as well. So all of that goes into account whenever we're looking at a contract because we want that contract to be able to fit any disaster for our community. Because Chatham County is a coastal county, and uh, obviously the the counties that are also along the co- coast likely would be hit by a similar sto- storm, yeah. how do you work with other jurisdictions, or or do you, um, to make sure that there is available contract support throughout the region? In, in Chatham County, uh, we take an active approach to making sure that we're a leader for our communities outside of Chatham County. We're one of the largest emergency management agencies in the state of Georgia. So we're surrounded by other emergency management agencies that either have one full-time director or sometimes a part-time director. So we really take a, an aggressive approach to make sure that we're offering guidance, and we're offering assistance to those other community emergency managers. Part of that comes with the the requirement to make sure that they understand what contracts we have in place and also through mutual aid agreements to assist them whenever we need to assist them. A lot of times they don't have the same administrative support that we have here in Chatham County, so we can help them uh, facilitate uh, purchasing. We can help them facilitate the RFP process. And with the amount of work that we've been through here, we actually use some of those as boilerplates, uh, you know, in order to get it out to the other communities so they have something to, to at least begin working from, and then they can tailor that particular boilerplate to their community. Um, okay, so that is like a um, a county to county kind of relationship right. that you have there. But w- talk about the the townships and the um, the cities within Chatham County. Um, how, do they participate in your pre disaster contracts, or do they have to have separate you know de- debris removal contracts? How does the county work with the with the uh, other levels of government? Yeah, with any disaster, it starts at the lowest possible level. So it starts with the individual, starts with the municipality, then it comes to the county. So we encourage all of our municipalities to have pre-disaster contracts. And then if they can't get their source met through one of their contracts, then they come to the county for assistance. The county then uses their pre-disaster contracts as a source. If they can't get it, then it rolls up to the state and then up to FEMA. So we do encourage our our local communities to have pre-disaster contracts. There are certain contracts that are countywide, and we encourage them to to rely on us for those particular things. Um, Commodities, for example. If we're setting up a point of distribution site for commodity distribution, we want them to come through us. So they don't need to have a pre-disaster contract for for any type of commodities. We want them to request those resources through us. We then work with the state in order to make sure those commodities are distributed equitably. Is the primary focus uh, or the originating focus for the pre-disaster contracts at the county level for, say, the unincorporated areas first, and then you can then tap, cities can then tap into it? 
Well, the contracts that we have in place, um, they're actually countywide. Our agency is a countywide emergency management agency. We do have some municipalities that have their own emergency manager, and we work closely with them. But uh, as the county's emergency management agency, we cover the entire county, including all of the jurisdictions. So there are certain things that we ask the municipality to cover, and then there's other things that we assume that responsibility for them. Um, you've been an emergency manager for a pretty long time. Um, and uh, so with that experience, uh, it's, it sounds like you're pretty active in at, in training uh, other emergency managers, both locally and right. it sounds like regionally as well. Um, what are some of the challenges that you hear from them, um, either as it relates to this pre-disaster procurement process or just like procurement and debris removal and public assistance processes in general? Well, uh, particularly with uh, with part-time emergency managers, they just don't have the the availability, uh, for the most part, to really get into the nuts and bolts of a disaster response, and particularly during the recovery, the many requirements that are that are necess- necessary during a recovery period. So we help them along the way. Um, before the last storm that hit the state of Georgia, um, Hurricane Michael. Uh, we actually sent a team of people down to Miller County, Georgia, and we spent a week with them just educating them on the public assistance process, on how to start transitioning from response to recovery. So we wanted to make sure they had a really good foundation on how to start that transition because they had a part-time uh, director down there, and a lot of times you know, their focus is on the response because that's what they deal with on a regular basis is responding to things. But transitioning from that response to recovery is really a challenge, and uh, getting into the recovery short-term, long-term is where a lot of the marathon happens. You know, the response is just that initial start, and that recovery period is is what's going to take, and that's where you're going to see a lot of your successes or failures is during that initial that initial response, and then that long-term recovery. Uh, it sounds like Hurricane Matthew was sort of a pivotal point in terms of your approach to maybe taking out uh, or working towards pre-disaster contracts. So, and debris removal sounded like it was a major uh, sort of pain point. I, su- I suppose I would say. Um, so, what uh, what kind of specific considerations did you look for when you put out uh, pre-disaster contracts uh, or go through this vetting process? Were you looking for something specific that needed to address maybe something that came up as a result of Matthew? After Matthew, we took a look at all of the requests that we sent up to the state. And we wanted to get a really good idea as to what we didn't have. And in response to that particular hurricane, we found that there were a lot of things that that we could have uh, have gotten through a local contract, but in, because we didn't have those in place, we had to reach out to the state. When every time every time you reach out to another entity in order to get something, it creates delays. Whereas if we had a contract in place, we could have gotten those products quite a bit sooner. So we took a look at everything that we requested from the state, and we started working with our purchasing department to either identify a source to where we could get those things quicker or put in place mutual aid agreements to where we could do a public-private partnership with uh, with some local companies in order to to keep them uh, to keep them active and to keep them operational, and also in order to meet our needs as well. So 
We feel like that was a good solution for economic recovery. It starts that process. It continues uh, their, their, uh, their survivability of their company. And we just wanted to make sure that we had the things in place that we could do on our end uh, to go ahead and put those things together so that we didn't have to ask the state for some of those resources. Are the vendors that you ultimately chose, are they mostly local vendors? Not all of them. Um, a lot of them are. Uh, for example, hotel rooms. Uh, you know, we wanted to have a mutual aid agreement in place with uh, some local hotel vendors, some local convenience stores. We wanted to have them in place so they could provide us fuel, snacks, drinks, possibly some other food-related items. And in return, we wanted to provide them reentry passes so that they could get some of these stores reestablished because that's what it's all about is, uh, is getting the community back to a new normal. And we've got to have certain things in place before we can let the general population come back in. So having these convenience stores uh, here with us locally and be able to to get back operationally as quickly as possible, that's a big benefit for a community. I think it's important that you not limit yourself to to just um, contracts that you can think of. Oh, yeah, because you mentioned the contracts that you mentioned um, you mentioned working with convenience stores, mm-hmm. um, and I think maybe the bulk of pre-disaster contracting is thought of in terms of debris removal, debris. making yeah. sure that you've got the assets on the ground who yeah. can actually clear the way um, so that people can get on the road to recovery, so to speak. Yeah. But you, you mentioned a lot of those kind of ones that I, I maybe wouldn't have thought of. Yeah, debris removal is the is the no-brainer. Um, having those debris removal contracts in place before a disaster hits is is very important. But also some of the other items that you need during a disaster. We've got a contract with a local safety vendor to provide safety uh, equipment, personal protective equipment. We've got a contract with a local ice vendor. We've got a contract with convenience stores, um, with hotels. Uh, so you need to take a look at uh, everything that you could possibly need. And instead of cr- requesting a hundred pair of gloves or a thousand pair of gloves from the state, and then it take two days for those gloves to get here, you've got a local resource that you can reach out to and say, I need a thousand pair of gloves and you can have them by that afternoon. So having those contracts in place and understanding what the resources available to you are at a moment's notice is critical in your response and recovery effort. I would assume that uh, with pre-disaster contracting or any contracting, you've got to adhere to some state laws and then also some right. federal procurement um, requirements. Yep. So were there resources that you tapped into at the state or federal level that helped you along this path? Uh, yeah, uh, actually there are. After every storm, FEMA comes in and offers PDAT training, procurement disaster assistance training. So I was able to get a good understanding of what the procurement procedures are, uh, especially when they changed it uh, back in uh, 2016, I believe. Um, They changed the new program. And they offered PDAT training throughout the state for some disasters that happened up north. And I went through some of that training. So I had a good awareness of what the procurement responsibilities are. So Dennis, you know, sort of summing it all up, what are the biggest lessons learned for you with regard to pre-disaster contracting? We have seen, uh, comparing Matthew, Hurricane Matthew to Hurricane Irma, we have seen significant benefits in putting pre-disaster contracts in place. Not only the pre-disaster contracts, but the mutual aid agreements. Because when we have those in place, you've got those companies, those businesses that are ready and they're, they're able to provide the resources that you need at a moment's notice. 
If you have to identify what those resources are later and then submit those requests through other channels, uh, a lot of times you have to go through an emergency procurement procedure, which slows things down. So if you can put those agreements in place and those contracts in place before a disaster, um, it just streamlines your process. It, it makes it go so much more quicker. It's also much more efficient. And between Hurricane Matthew and Hurricane Irma, we saw substantial improvements in our resource requesting when it comes to how we responded to a disaster. And it, it decreased significantly the amount of time that we were able to request resources and get them in Chatham County. So having those resources in place, having those contracts in place, it allows us to be more efficient and, and, and more effective in our emergency response procedures. We've linked to this episode on our FEMA Facebook page, and we invite you to join the conversation in the comments. If you have ideas for a future topic, send us an email at fema-podcast at fema.dhs.gov. If you would like to learn more about this episode or other topics, visit fema.gov slash podcast.